0: This episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast is sponsored in part by Law Enforcement Labor Services in Minnesota. Law Enforcement Labor Services, also known as LELS, is Minnesota's largest public safety labor union, with over 7,000 Minnesota public safety members serving in all areas of public safety law enforcement, 911 dispatch centers, corrections, public safety administrative support personnel, and firefighters. Established in 1977, LELS serves over 260 different public safety agencies and over 450 locals across the state of Minnesota. With their administration, general counsel, three staff attorneys, and 14 business agents, LALS provides contract negotiations for better wages and benefits, grievance processing and representation, discipline representation, mediation and arbitration, assistance with representation for post board hearings, and in-line of duty death benefits for survivor families. Find out more about law enforcement labor services at LELS.org. LELS.org. Episodes of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast may contain strong language and violent content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Sheriff Scott Rose from Minnesota, and I'm your host for today's new episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. In each episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast, we'll share the details and the stories of how these men and women heroically lost their lives in the line of duty. Our mission is to help ensure their service and sacrifice is never forgotten. Thanks for spending some time with me today to remember and honor these fallen heroes. Waterville, Minnesota. A small city in South Central Minnesota, located in Lesseur County, it was incorporated back in 1898 and is positioned between Lake Titanka and Lake Sakata. In early June of each year, the city's residents get together for food, fun, a parade, a carnival, and fireworks. It's a yearly celebration which dates back over 50 years. It's called Bullhead Days. Waterville, Minnesota, is the self-proclaimed bullhead capital of the world, according to, well, according to the people of Waterville. (laughs) Batman's trusted sidekick, Robin. The Boy Wonder makes his debut in Detective Comics, number 38. And are glad to fight for it. Wherever crime raises its ugly head to strike with the venom of a maddened rattlesnake, Batman and Robin strike also. And in this very hour when the Axis criminals are spreading their evil over the world, even within our own land, Batman and Robin stand ready to fight them. To the, the very first McDonald's restaurant opens in San Bernardino california the is his favorite place in town world war ii was ramping up with hitler's german forces simultaneously invading norway and occupied denmark before sweeping through belgium and the netherlands in what became known as blitzkrieg or lightning war the war would continue for another five years and would take more lives and destroy more land and property around the globe than any previous war Initial move to crack France's first defense line is concentrated artillery fire by railroad guns on the supposedly impregnable Maginot. Supporting the huge guns in their attack were 12 tank divisions with 400 tanks to each division, plus concentrated air bombings. But it was these shells which shattered the Maginot line, paving the way for infantry. The year was 1940. Today, Minnesota is known as the land of 10,000 lakes. Anglers flock there from all over the country to fish walleye, bluegill, crappie, bass, and northern pike. However, prior to the Clean Water Act of 1972, waters in this area couldn't support these fish due to low oxygen levels. These waters were often polluted by sewers, mink farms, chicken and livestock processors, and other largely unregulated waste producers. These waters were too murky and contained too low of oxygen levels for the fish most sought after today. Back then, they were in what was called the bullhead boom years. The most sought after fish for anglers was one of the only fish that could survive in these conditions. It was the bullhead bullheads were big business back then and they helped this area survive the great depression the minnesota department of natural resources actually conducted their bullhead netting and restocking program from about 1916 through the 1960s releasing harvestable sized bullheads into ponds and waterways open to public fishing to support sports and commercial fishing in southern minnesota bullheads are a little cousin to the better known catfish. They're sometimes called mud cats or mud pout. They're bottom dwellers. They have few predators and they thrive in slow-moving streams and waters with low oxygen or real muddy conditions. Many families struggling due to the depression and the war. They targeted bullheads for Sunday after church outings in spring and summer. Meanwhile, the commercial operators were saning bullheads from the same waters and then they'd also buy those caught by the cane pole anglers who fished worms beneath corks. Seining is the term for commercial fish netting fishing with a large net with sinkers on one edge and floats on the other that hangs vertically in the water and is used to enclose and catch fish when its ends are pulled together or drawn ashore. Fish markets provided jobs for fish cleaners and packers who filled wooden barrels with iced bullhead meat and then shipped it by truck and train to Chicago, Sioux City, Sioux Falls, Des Moines, and other cities. Tons of bullhead guts, skins, and heads became food for the region's mink ranches. Bullheads were big business in Waterville, and one of the more well-known commercial fishermen back in 1940 in Waterville was Bryant Baumgartner. Baumgartner was a veteran. He was a former gunner's mate in the Navy. He had set up his barn as a fish cleaning and packing station in Waterville. He was considered one of the big operators, a religious man who attended the local Methodist church on Sundays with his wife, Esther. And during the week, he worked from dawn to dusk netting and selling bullheads. Back in 1940, times were tough and people were scratching for literally every nickel due to the Depression and the war. The Minnesota Conservation Department, which is now known as the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources, or DNR, they were concerned that the bullhead boom was in jeopardy because of bullhead bootleggers. A year earlier, the state had revised rough fish regulations and they put a 50 fish possession limit on bullheads, which irritated commercial fishermen and anglers, primarily because bullheads were the only rough fish that were limited. Other rough fish like gar, carp, suckers, sheephead, and whitefish could be caught without limits. In 1940, the state's conservation commissioner was W. L. Strunk. He would station conservation wardens along main roadways and railways along Minnesota's borders to inspect bullhead shipments going out of state. Strunk wanted to know where the bullheads came from. He was concerned about fish markets in neighboring South Dakota and Iowa, many displaying large quantities of Minnesota bullheads for sale, but refusing to identify their suppliers and or purchase numbers. Baumgartner also rented boats from his business, and when folks brought him bullheads, he would pay them five cents per pound for cleaned fish and three cents per pound for uncleaned fish. He bought bullheads from anglers and from the locals and had nearly 40 families helping staff his fish market. Warden Marcus Whips had previously been a police officer in the neighboring city of Casota, which is about 26 miles west of Waterville. At the time, he had served the last three years as game warden for the Casota area and had clashed with Baumgartner in the past, questioning how and where he obtained so many bullheads on a daily basis. He suspected Baumgartner was bootlegging bullheads, and he requested help from the state to investigate his business further. Mid-afternoon on July 12th, the state sent Wardens Holtz and Brady to assist whips to go over to Baumgartner's property and inspect his facility, his license, and his books. game warden Dudley P. Brady was 50 years old and was a veteran game warden. He'd served the agency for 17 years and been a part-time deputy prior to that for an additional 11 years. He was serving in the Wyndham area, just over 90 miles west of Waterville. Warden Melvin Holt was also a veteran officer who had been with the state for 14 years. He was serving in the Worthington area, which is located about no, 125 miles southwest of Waterville. He was 55 years old. Back then, in Minnesota, wardens wore plain clothes while working, and the only wardens allowed to be armed were those who worked nights. According to state officials, shots had been fired elsewhere at game wardens in the state, and they suspected that they may have some trouble with Baumgartner. Rumors around town were that he had said he was gonna shoot every game warden and sheriff that showed up at his farm. The first attempt by these three wardens to Baumgartner's property didn't go so well. Baumgartner was upset about the state's unscheduled visit and he ordered them off his property when they indicated they didn't have a warrant. That day, Baumgartner's business was busy. He had four employees working with him, loading barrels of iced bullhead meat onto the truck. The truck that was to meet the 5 p.m. train. Shortly after Baumgartner left with the load, Whips returned with Holton Brady after about 5:30 p.m. and they waited for Baumgartner to return. Baumgartner was obviously not happy when he came back and he found the wardens had returned with a warrant. He continued to become even more upset as they started walking through his operation and asking questions about his business. During their search of the property, the wardens found around 1,000 pounds of bullheads, including 300 pounds of clean and packaged meat ready to be shipped. Warden Holt asked Baumgartner if he had his commercial fishing license for them to review. Baumgartner reportedly answered, You're darn right I've got a license, and I'll get it. He left the barn and headed for the house. When Baumgartner returned, he was armed with a 12-gauge semi-automatic shotgun. Warden Brady said, There's no use getting smart with that thing. Bumgartner, who was standing about 20 feet from the wardens, replied, I'll show you whether I'll get smart or not. And he lifted the gun, pointed it towards Whips, and he pulled the trigger. He shot Warden Whips in the chest, and Whips fell to the ground. He then aimed at Holt and shot him in the chest. Warden Brady, seeing his other two partners gunned down, turned around and took off running, but wasn't able to get far before he was shot in the back by a bum All three wardens reportedly died instantly. Remember, back then state officials wouldn't allow wardens to respond armed. Family said Whips had a small pistol in his back pocket just in case. However, Baumgartner shot him so quickly that Whips had no time to pull his firearm. While his employees were fleeing the property running by the three bodies on the ground, Baumgartner then walked over to a picket fence. He propped up his shotgun, he pointed it at himself, and he pulled the trigger. It didn't take long before word of the shooting spread throughout town. Officials would respond to the farm to find all three DNR wardens dead and Baumgartner dead. Chief of Police John A. Weaver responded to the scene. He took charge until the arrival of Coroner Dr. Kohlers of La Center, accompanied by Deputy Sheriff Rinda and Acting County Attorney Kraus by the time officials cleared from the farm and transported the bodies of the three dead wardens to the morgue downtown a large crowd of nearly 1,000 people had gathered many actually in support of the shootings some spitting on survivor families cars as they arrived yelling they got what they deserved remember back then people were really struggling to make ends meet due to the depression and world war ii And Baumgartner bought fish from many anglers and residents in this community. He also employed dozens from this community to support his fish business. Warden Whips was a game warden for three years in the Casota area, and he was born in February of 1895 and was 45 years old. He was survived by his wife Caroline and three children. His funeral was held at the Presbyterian Church in Casota on July 15th. He was buried in Greenwood Woodland Cemetery, south of La center. Family members said that the family never recovered from the loss, and Marcus's wife never remarried. Warden Dudley Philip Brady was 50 years old. He was born in August of 1889. He'd been with the DNR since September 1st, 1923, serving in the Wyndham area. From 1907 to 1918, he was a salesman, but he also worked part-time as a deputy warden. He'd served as chief game warden and a supervisor of 12 counties from August 1st, 1927 to August 1st, 1933, and then returned to being a game warden. He was survived by his parents, Mr. and Mrs. Philip Brady, and brothers and sisters, Mrs. Myrtle Cooper, Mrs. Edward Jennings, Mabel, Harry, Stanley, William, and Clarence. His funeral was held Monday, July 15th in Wyndham at the Presbyterian Church and he was buried in Lakeview Cemetery. Warden Holt was 55 years old. He had worked in the Worthington area since March of 1940. He'd been with the DNR since 1926. He was survived by his wife and two children, Roland and Dorothy. His funeral was held Tuesday, July 16th in Lake City at St. John's Lutheran Church. This incident, this triple murder in this small lake community in Minnesota, it shocked the locals it shocked the state it got our attention of our state leaders it was the reason the dnr would then issue uniforms and guns 10 months after the murders of these three wardens the state's 135 wardens were all issued green uniforms caps and 38 caliber revolvers Sadly, these three wardens, these three heroes, they were just there to do their job. They were trying to make sure Baumgartner was not over-harvesting one of the state's most important natural resources at the time. And for that, they gave their lives. They left their families, their children, and their friends behind. They were simply doing their job. They were doing what they needed to do to take care of their own families and in doing so, they made the ultimate sacrifice. A sacrifice that resulted in the state finally recognizing the dangers of their work, of their profession, of their calling. Unfortunately, dangers recognized all too late for these three heroes. Wardens, Whips, Brady, and Holt are recognized each year at the Minnesota Law Enforcement Memorial in May during Police Week by the Minnesota Law Enforcement Memorial Association. As of 2022, the state of Minnesota's Department of Natural Resources had lost 23 of their own. Game wardens, conservation officers, all heroes that we've lost in the line of duty. For pictures from this case and more information about this podcast and how you can help support it, check out our website, at www.OfficerDownMemorialPodcast.com. Thank you for spending the time to listen, learn about, and honor the memory of this fallen hero. Make sure you take the time to thank your local law enforcement for their service and their sacrifice. And don't forget to thank their families too. They also sacrifice so much for our safety. It's up to us to help ensure the sacrifices made by these fallen heroes and by their families are never forgotten. So please share this podcast with family and friends. Until next time, this is the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. I'm Scott Rose. Thanks for listening.